When I started this podcast last year, it was an exploration of my own grief. I had lost my mum, my best friend, and I couldn't imagine my life without her. I suddenly had all these feelings of sadness, anger, confusion, and guilt. I needed to understand them, so I turned to my friends and people I knew who had been through a similar experience. It was eye-opening. We cried, we laughed, we processed. That podcast helped more people than I could have imagined. I've been inundated with messages and connected with hundreds of people who've lost loved ones and realized their experiences needed to be shared. There are still stories that need to be told. This season on Death Becomes Him, I meet people who have lost siblings, spouses, parents, and children. Though the experiences differ, one thing remains consistent. Talking about it is therapy. This week, I speak to Rachel Gorry. Rachel is the kind of person everyone wants to be friends with. She is stylish and funny, and it's no wonder she's amassed a following of more than 170,000 followers online, way more than me. Rachel met her late husband, Daniel, when she moved from Dublin to Offaly in her teens. Their friendship evolved into romance, and in their 20s, they married, and three beautiful daughters soon followed. Then suddenly, in 2018, Daniel became unwell, and after weeks of tests, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Rachel opens up to me today about losing her soulmate at 29, grieving during lockdown, and how she's ensuring her children never forget their daddy. So today I'm sitting down with the gorgeous, stunning, by the way, Rachel uh, Gurry. It's the first time we've actually met. It is, yeah. Um, I slid into your DMs. <laughs> I was so worried. I was saying to my sisters, will I message her now? Will I do it today? No, I'll do it tomorrow. You have a huge following yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, kind of just blew up. So how, tell me how that all started for you and like the following initially on Instagram. You've got like nearly 200,000 followers. 160 something. Yeah. yeah. More than Man. me. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'll give you a shout out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Um, so when did that, when did you, because when did the Instagram thing start for you? So um, we were moved into the, the new house. And yeah. I was spending a lot of time in hospital and uh, I think Daniel was just sick of me talking to him and making him talk to me. He was like, right. you need something. We'll set up an Instagram and you can just talk about like building the house and kind of like interiors and stuff like that so he set up the page right and it was just basically to to give him a bit of space and give me something to do in the hospital and that's what he said we do and then when I mentioned him on it after a little while it just it just took off yeah I always feel like when I mention mom or I'm any way vulnerable or emotional on Instagram it's always received so well yeah because I think it allows people to see the real you. You've got three little girls. I have, yeah. What, what ages are they? Nine, five, and three. Nine, five, and three. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. And I see your necklace today is a picture of Daniel. Yeah. Daniel. Do you always wear it? Do you wear I it? I do, yeah. Right, I always okay. wear it, yeah. yeah. But I kind of like to to look at him. I kind of talk to him. I know yeah. that sounds so bizarre, but I do. Like, you know, really? It's, it's like looking, he's looking back at me. So yeah. That's, when you talk to him, what do you say? I just talk to him about my, like what I've done or yeah. if I'm missing him, I'll tell him how much I'm missing him or I might just talk to him about things I'm doing in the house. He left me a list of stuff to do. So oh, he's like, organised. Oh, like he that. is organised. Yes, so absolutely. I'm like, I got the doors hung in the bathroom today and I just, nice. just chat to him like I would if he was if he was yeah. here. Um, I'm a bit like that with mom. We lost mom in 2018 and I will go to a picture in the kitchen and I will just talk to her and just yeah. have a chat. And um, we have a mom and my sister. Um, had a baby, um, Harvey, and he was uh, born sadly after we lost mom. But now I, w- I was adamant that he would always know who mom is. Yeah. So we have a family picture, the one that's in the living room. And I say, there's Tracy and Paula and Aoife. And he points, he's a year and a half. And I go, where's Nana Rosie? And he points directly oh, at lovely. her. that's lovely. That is yeah, really lovely. Because I want him to know who she yeah, is. Not who she was. I always say who she is. is yeah. Because I, when he gets older, I want him to know about Nana Rosie yeah. and all the crazy shit yeah. we've done. And, you know, the stories. Because he is such a huge part of our family, even yeah. though he's only a year and a half. And we want him to know. Of course you do. Yeah, and yeah. my sister Michelle wears um, a necklace quite similar to that. And it's a picture of her and mom on it. The whole basis of this podcast, I've always believed that talking is therapy. 100%. Um, And when we recorded the first season of the show, it really helped me deal with the loss of losing mom. Season one of the show was based on 
losing a parent solely because that's where my headspace was and that's kind of the grief that I was living. Yeah. But for the, this season, season two of the show, I wanted to open it up slightly more and talk to people who'd suffered loss and grief, but not just through a parent, through potentially a sibling, you know, losing a child, losing a partner, a husband or a wife. Yeah. So sitting down with you today is the first time we openly discuss that. So your uh, husband. Yeah. It's called Daniel. Daniel. How long were you guys married? And um, We were married seven years. Right. Or eight years. What was the anniversary? I always forget the anniversaries yeah. and he used to always laugh at me. It's so bad. The first question you ask, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. We were married in 2012. Right. So it was that eight years, six eight years. years. Yeah. Um, how did you meet? Well, we moved from Dublin to Offaly when we were 12 and he just knocked on the door and asked, were they coming out to play? No. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. When you were 12 yeah. years of age. Yeah. Did mom approve? She did, Oh yeah, yeah mom's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So you've you've kind of been you've been together kind of all of your life. Yeah, we yeah. were sixteen when we started um, going out, but like that, I've seen him and spent nearly every single day with him since we were twelve because yeah. it's such a small area where we live. So we all play together. We went to school together. So yeah, it's, it's really lovely to have that time. Like your childhood sweetheart, really. Yeah. Yeah, totally. For those that may not be aware of your story, yeah. um, or Daniel's story, just tell us where it all started with um, Daniel. Uh, being sick and what happened so daniel was diagnosed with um stage four cancer in september right and 2018 and it was stage four straight away there was nothing that they could do they kind of kept him on chemo for a while and he 18 months and then he passed away i think i read that you guys were on holiday and he was he was feeling we where he wasn't kind of feeling well for a couple of months and right. he went into the doctor and they just kept giving them antibiotics for a gut infection right. you know and sending him home and then he'd finish and he'd still be sick so that happened a couple of times i think like five six times like that he was in in and out of the doctors yeah we went on the holiday and it was like two days in and he was just in agony and we went to a doctor and she gave him tablets but then that night it was just you had to get right. him to the hospital straight away and he was bleeding internally right. and he needed two blood transfusions and wow. they said you know like you could die from from this alone and mm. they said look we put the camera down and we found what we think is cancer right. but we can't take a biopsy because you know we're trying to get the bleeding under control and that could just make it worse yeah. and you know like i said um they thought he was going to die so they weren't worried about that at the time being they needed to stop the bleeding right. we last i think it was like Eight days we had to stay in the hospital before they let us fly home to Dublin. And that's when all the tests were done to confirm that it was cancer. And I can imagine when your partner is sick, you're always thinking, oh, I'm sure it's nothing serious. It might yeah. be food poisoning or he has that's- a tummy bug or you're on holiday and you drank the water and it's making you feel unwell. Yeah, we were supposed to actually grow that night and we had got ready. And Daniel was like, I'm not feeling well. Oh, and you're good to go. Oh, you spent all that time and now I'd be raging. (laughs) So me and Leah was playing snap out on the balcony and I was looking at him lying down and I was like, that's just typical. (laughs) You know, but little did I know he was actually really sick. But this is your first thing you think of. No, of course. He's ruining all my fun. I have a reservation at one (laughs) o'clock. I just dried my hair. That's what I would say to Arthur. Yeah. When did did you realise, was it when you got back to Dublin or to Ireland? that you were thinking this is actually really, really serious. We were actually in Portugal and he had got the camera down and I was standing outside the room and he was just surrounded by doctors and I was looking at their face and I kind of knew in my stomach, this is bad. And then a nurse would leave and then like three more doctors would go into the room and he was just surrounded and I was looking and I was standing at the door and when it was open, I said, something is wrong, it's not right. And one of the doctors came over and he closed the door on me. Mm. And I heard the nurse saying, we think you have cancer. And Daniel looked at him and uh, looked out at me through the glass doors. And the doctor came over and he was like, can you move um, away? Mm. And I ran over to his mother and I was like, they're after saying that they think he has cancer. And she was crying, I was crying. Of course. And it wasn't until they wheeled him out a couple of minutes. And he was like, I don't really know. They think I have cancer. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And they just wheeled him down very broken English. And I had to ring all my family and say... Oh my God, that sounds like a horror movie. It was literally horrific. Like yeah. it was horrendous. And then you came back to Ireland and everything was confirmed. Everything was confirmed then, yeah. Um, you've three uh, young girls, nine, nine five, five and, and three. three. Yeah. How do you sit down with a nine-year-old, a five-year-old and a three-year-old and how do you break them the news? Because as an adult, that's hard. Yeah. But then as a mother, you also have, they're your priority as well. Yeah, of course. How do you sit down with them and let them know that dad's sick and he will not be getting better. So we knew we kind of had a little bit of time, like they said, he could last a couple of years. Um, so I knew I had a little bit of time to kind of um, 
get weanly in, like, mm. so to speak. So I literally just sat down with him and I said, Daddy is very sick mm. and the doctors are going to do everything they can to make him better. Mm. And then it wasn't until, you know, the last couple of months that I would sit down and I said, we set, we set Leah down. And the, the girls were there as well, Holly and Hannah, but they didn't really understand what was going Leah's on. Leah's so your eldest, she's Leah's, nine. Yeah, oldest, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And um, I just said, um, the medicine that they're giving Daddy, um, I said, it's not working. Mm. And I said, Daddy's going to die. Mm. So she literally just, she was just screaming and she was saying things like, why can't I die? Why can't it be me? And mm. how can we have a family without daddy? And mm. um, she was just saying that she wanted to die and go and be with daddy. And God. we were all crying. The smaller girls start crying just because they seen Lee crying. I don't think they were they probably mean. afraid. Yeah. Of course, when they see their big sister upset. Yeah. They're wondering, you know, it's probably more fear than anything else. Yeah. Why do you think at nine she wanted to, die herself why do you think she said that i've no idea i just think she just couldn't understand she she was like how can we have a family without daddy we mm. can't live without daddy why isn't mm. it me that's gone and daddy can stay here yeah and then when i said no it hasn't that leah daniel said look leah if any of us has to go it said mommy be here with you and he'll be okay and mommy's mm. gonna look after everything and i'll be okay and she was like i just want to be with you daddy you mm. know and she yeah. was just she's a child she's a child yeah how are the children now? How are they dealing with the loss of their dad? They're not too bad. You know, they actually surprised me how resilient right. that they were. You right. know, yeah. um, we talk very openly about Daniel. I don't want them to think we can't bring up daddy because it's going to make mommy cry. So I will cry um, around them and then just say, look, I'm missing daddy today. And then they'll cry and we'll talk, but we'll talk about him every day. So I think that's really helped them. You know, they'll sit and they'll like that. They'll talk to photographs or they'll go up and I have a slate on the grave with a photograph on it and they'll talk to that. So I think overall they're, they're actually doing brilliant. I think that's a really good thing is talking about the person. Yeah. I think it keeps their memory so alive. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing we definitely do. And I actually feel that it's really helped us as a family to talk about mom. Um, do you go to the grave often? I do. Yeah. Do you? I go a lot. I was going every day, twice a day. And I would spend hours up there and now I go once a day unless it's like lashing rain. And I said to him when he was sick, I said, I'm not going up standing in a grave in the rain, you know, and getting yeah. you cremated. And we kind of had a little joke about it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I love going up there. You know, I feel really peaceful when I'm sitting up there and I just feel closer to him. Um, so I do. I, I do not, did not enjoy the whole grave situation. Really? No, I didn't. I, I mean... I suppose it stems from the funeral process and I was away in a different country. I spoke to mom on the phone eight hours previous and then my sister rings me and say they can't wake her up. So for me, it was dealing with the shock of, you know, mom not being ill. There was no accident. Yeah. It's like she just went to sleep and yeah. didn't wake up. And I think it was after we recorded the um, season one of the podcast, I was actually, I went to the grave and for the first time I felt some sort of peace with it. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah, it's very strange. How I, I didn't force myself. I just said to Arthur, I, I want to go, I want to go to the grave, I want to go, I want to go to see mom. And it was the only time I didn't, I would normally just walk up and be like, hi mom, how are you? And then I would say nothing. And I'd be looking at everyone else going, what are they doing? What are they talking about? What are they shouting? And then I'd look down again. I'd, you know, I, I don't know why, I just felt so, maybe I felt vulnerable and maybe I, I thought it makes it so real. Yeah. But that was the first time that I went to the grave in a long time and I felt some sort of peace with it. Yeah. As I said, my mom was not sick. There was there was no time. There was no preparation. It was just like that. How long did you have from knowing till Daniel sadly passed? 18 months. 18 months. We had 18 months, yeah. Were they 18 months of hell? How do you, for those 18 months, how do you use them knowing the worst thing is going to happen but get the best out of them. So we kind of looked at it like, okay, if Daniel passes in the morning, I don't want to look back and think, why were we so sad all the time? And I had him, like he was here. Mm. So I wanted to say, I want to look back and think, God, we had such a laugh and we made so many memories. Now, don't get me wrong. The first couple of months were very hard to try and get your head around. And you kind of, you go, you're so sad and kind of depressed really going around and you can't smile or laugh. Well, you're and probably in shock. That's exactly yeah. it. You're in shock. And then after the couple of months and all, and things kind of get back to normal. And he, he was sick, but he never looked sick. He never. I was going to ask sick. you that. Yeah. Did, you know, was he affected at all? You know, from day to day with no, you? no he so wasn't in much pain either. He right, didn't. which is so bizarre. It's so bizarre for someone who's 
going to pass away. Yeah. Not to, yeah, it's strange. Because I even had some people say like, is your husband as sick as you're saying he is? Because he genuinely didn't look sick like he didn't. Yeah. And we meet people in there um, when he was getting treatment and they would think, oh, and you're, and then he's like, oh no, stage four. And they were literally like, oh my God. In shock. Like he just didn't, he just looked so well. It's so funny, you'd probably expect someone so sick to look so sick. Exactly, and he yeah. just didn't. And it wasn't until, I mean, the last maybe two months or four weeks maybe, that you were like, Daniel is really sick now. And yeah. you, we knew it was, it was coming. But the whole rest of the time he was fine. You're so young. What age are you? 29. 29. And yeah. Daniel? He was 29. He, he'll be 30 in August. Okay. Yeah. Um, are you going to celebrate his 30th? I am, yeah. You're going to have a party? I'm going, I think I am with all his right. friends and well, stuff. That'd be yeah. a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. emotional, but you're like, yeah, I, I'm like, definitely going to do something, yeah. Um, did he want to have a big 30th? What, what, would you think he would? Do you know the party he would have wanted? He would have wanted a big session, yeah. He definitely right. would Well, then you got to have a big session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're both so young, for those 18 months, how does that affect your relationship? Because you're still a young woman and he's still a young man. How did those 18 months, what was that like for you and for him knowing that this was the end? At the start, we kind of thought, you're not going to, you, you know, you're going to beat the odds. You know, it was so rare for him to get this type of cancer. It was described as an old man's cancer. So we were kind of convinced. Why was it described as an old man's cancer? Because that's what it is. It's only men like over the age of, would it be 50 or 60? Right. That would get this cancer. So they couldn't understand. How someone in their 20s could get an who, old man's yeah, cancer. Who doesn't smoke and who like only drinks like socially. Like that, it was just so bizarre. They couldn't understand it. So we were thinking, well, if that's so rare, then who says that you can't beat it? So we changed okay. his diet and we did loads of things. And so we genuinely thought. And then if he'd come into a room and I'd be upset, he said, how am I supposed to think I'm going to believe this if every time I beat this, if every time I walk into a room, you and Ma are so upset and he's yeah. crying all the time. Yeah. So we literally had to pull it together for him and for his sake. He sounds like he's so positive. He was, yeah. Constantly. Constant, yeah. Yeah. He would never let it get, get in on him. How amazing. And he always put me and the kids first, always. Like he never put himself first or top, but it was always me and the kids. When did it become real for you? When did you think to yourself at the back of your mind, this is it? Kind of, so say when it just kept spreading like wildfire, like when he was diagnosed after like maybe a couple of weeks, they said, look, it's, it's in six different places. Like you're wow. basically riddled. And it wasn't until we keep getting the scans and it's spreading more and it's, and you're just like, this is serious. He's going, he's going to die. And yeah. then the back pain started. And then you just little by little, you can see him deteriorating a little bit. And then you know, oh my God, this is going to happen. Yeah. I don't even know how you, you talk about it so eloquently. And it's, you're very, how do you, how, how are you able to do that in the way that you do it? I think I was talking to my family and my friends and very close to my mom, my sisters and stuff. And I would talk to them about my grief. But then I started to see the pain in their eyes when they would see me in so much pain and I didn't like to see that. Yeah. So I started to just talk into my phone and I didn't even mean to do it. I came on to thank people for all the messages when Daniel had passed. I was overwhelmed with the, the amount of support I received that I came on to say, I think it was a week, maybe two weeks later, um, thank you so much for your messages. And then the next thing I knew, I just... I told them the story. I told them how they passed. I just, mm. it, everything just came out. So, yeah. and it really helped. Yeah. So I just said, I'm just going to keep going and I'm just going to be as open and honest as I can. And sometimes it can be quite uncomfortable to watch because I don't hide anything. Mm. I, I will say it as it is and it, it can be quite um, hard. But I think that that's the best way because it's helping people. Do the girls, have they, you're saying it can be uncomfortable to watch. Have they seen anything on Instagram or were you talking that you thought, had upset them or anything like that they don't um see the instagram right. but i will talk like i will talk to them uh, openly and honestly about it and if they have questions i will talk yeah. to them i let them i don't let them see me like sob yeah but i will let them see me like crying where i can still smile at them and say it's okay i just miss daddy that's all and they, they'll wipe my tears and they might cry or they might say it's okay mommy he's up in heaven you know and i think it's quite important for them to to be able to express themselves i ask my nieces where is nana rosie and they always say, oh, you know, she's in heaven or yeah. she's drinking tea and she's eating cake. My mom loved cake. Yeah. She loved buns, like sugar <laughs> addict. How she wasn't diabetic, yeah. I do not know. Where do the girls think daddy is? And what's daddy doing? He's up in heaven and he's with, um, his grandmother passed away um, 
like she we buried her and then two days later we found out Daniel Daniel was diagnosed. Wow. So um she's she's with he's with Nanny Gurry and that's what they say and they just say like the angels came and took him. So in the grave, you know, they say the angels came and took him and bring him up to heaven and he has wings and he's looking at us and he's a butterfly, he's a bird, you know, he's he can be anything he he's wants. anything. That's what they always say. If they see a pigeon, they're like, There's daddy, yeah. like, you know, it could be anything. It's so strange because my sister, um, it's you know, feathers. Yeah. You know, and robins. Uh, and we joke that my sister Aoife finds feathers everywhere. Like she could be at a zoo and we're like, well, he's yeah. birds over there. She's walking in a park. It's a feather. Aoife, it's a pigeon over there. You know, but I always find whatever works for that yeah, person, that they, they yeah. like, you know, for you, it was that um, you being on Instagram and just able to be open and to, to talk about yeah. it. Have you received anything negatively from being so open. What have people said to you? Yeah, I have had a couple of trolls. So I had someone message me saying, um, so Daniel was really sick and it was a couple of days before he passed and people were saying, I'm praying for you and different things. And then I had a message from um, a lady saying, I'm praying for you. And I said, oh, thanks very much. I really appreciate that. And she says, yeah, I'm praying that you die. And I was like, oh, that's a bit dramatic now, Are isn't it? So, yeah, so Praying that you die? That I die. Why? So I don't know. <laughs> so I was just, I didn't even answer her back. I just blocked her. And then I got a message saying, you know, your husband isn't even really sick and one minute he's dying in hospital because I would come on and say, you know, Daniel had to make the decision whether if he something happened over the weekend and the doctors weren't there, would they resuscitate him or would they leave him? And we had to make it. So I come on and spoke about that. And uh, then when we were discharged from hospital, we took a family photograph, which was actually the last family photograph we have. And mm. um, all of us together in bed, we were watching a movie. And then this other person messaged me to say, one minute he's dying in hospital, the next minute he's all smiling in bed. He's not even sick at all. And he passed away two weeks later. Like it's, wow. it's just bizarre. Some people just. How do you process that? Or do you actually just, at the moment, you just don't care because you're so involved in something else that is way bigger and way more important those messages i kind of was like there has to be something wrong with those people to say things like that because you know it's just not right but then i got a message from somebody saying that you're not grieving right because i laugh and i laugh a lot on my instagram it's not only sad i could be talking about daniel and a situation and i could laugh and cry in the same in the same story because mm. we do laugh and we did laugh and we laughed at his funeral and i'm not going to pretend that we didn't because oh they won't think I'm grieving right if they know I laugh I laugh every single day mm. and I just think that's how we cope and Daniel wanted us to laugh and I don't think there's anything wrong with that and that's what I want to show on my story but they were like you're a disgrace to your husband and he'd be ashamed of you and just you just get mad and sometimes they can affect you if they're like you're not grieving properly and I've only lost grandparents so I was kind of thinking well am I grieving right you know and then you second guess yourself but, you do you know you but the one thing I would know from sitting down with seven people from the last season of the show was there is no right or yeah. wrong way to grieve. You Grief is so individual is. to each of us. Yeah. And we have to do what we can to make it easy. You know, we laughed so much. And I spoke about this. We laughed so much at my mom's funeral. I even said, if people <laughs> listened outside the living room window, window they would have said, I'm fucking delighted she's yeah. gone. Like, <laughs> one of them has killed her. Because like, we were literally laughing. My, 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 yeah. my sister was on the floor under the coffin and one minute she was laughing and then she's like, oh, yeah. mom. Yeah. And we were all laughing. Yeah. And like, mom, when mom uh, passed, the, the last night when she was, before she went to bed, she ate like a, a white magnum and a packet of crisp waffles. So we all stood around her coffin eating white magnums. Oh, but my sister Michelle took a picture of the magnum uh, on her phone. So she had a phone with the picture in one hand and then she had the magnum in the other. She started licking the phone, <laughs> licking the picture. She was obviously delirious. Yeah, She's like, oh my God, mom, this is for you. And we're like, you're licking your fucking phone. And the magnum was in the other hand. And we howled. Yeah, yeah of course. And yeah. we cried. Yeah. But I, I, I said to everyone, I've cried so much over the last two years. Now, I'm further than you. We're, we're two years, you know, into our kind of grief. I... But now I just want to laugh. Yeah. And you know Daniel inside out. Yeah. You know how he would want you to behave or what to yeah. do. And I find it so funny that people think they can tell you how to grieve for yeah. the love of your life. Yeah. And they don't know you. They don't know your husband. No. How did your mom sat right beside you? How did your mom as your mom deal with the trolling and the shit that you were getting said to you? I, like 
how was that for her? She'd love to grab the phone and message them back. And I'm like, Ma, you can't. Like, yeah, I'm not going to feed into it. Like, just yeah. leave it. I couldn't but imagine she, what she'd say. <laughs> she'd get I'd say she'd say, reef them. Oh, the <laughs> reefings. <laughs> she would. But like, yeah, it does upset. Because I get so upset sometimes over, especially the one that I'm not grieving right, or that your husband be ashamed of you. Like, Daniel had said to me, what he wants me to do after he passed. Daniel left me letters. I know what he wants. He told right. me he doesn't want me. He said, how would you feel if it was the other way around and you had to look down at me and see me devastated the whole time and not be able to get out of bed? He said, that would break my heart looking down yeah. at you like that. He said, you need to go on. You need to laugh with the kids. And he said, I'm not saying don't get upset, but you need to go on. And so I know. And then in letters he's, he's left me, I know what he wants. So I know in the back of my mind, but I just second guess when they say things. You know, the, um, the letters, um, and of course they're private. I'm not going to ask you what your husband said because that's yeah. his business. Did you know he was writing the no, letters for you? No, I didn't. Okay. No. So he was sick in, in, in the hospital bed and he said, I have letters. And he told me about them. And he said, when I pass, I want you to go and find these letters. It's like a treasure hunt. Yeah. So the, the day before his funeral, I sat in the sitting room beside his coffin and read and cried and laughed. And yeah. there was some parts of the letter where I was looking at them and I was saying, if you weren't dead, I'd kill you. I swear to God, you're I so know. cheeky. Like, you so know, funny. so, and that's what gets me, gets me through, you know. Yeah. The girls are so young. So young. Like, it's almost like, I'm suspecting, as a mother to three such young children, have you put any part of your grief on hold just because you've got to do so much every day with the girls? There is days where... I really have to try extra hard and hold things together. Like Holly is obsessed with music. She's the five-year-old and she plays Daniel's playlist throughout the house. And music is such a big trigger for me. And it's sometimes... In a, in a, in a negative way, in, in a, a bad neg- way. Like, I, there's some days where I, I want to listen to, to a song. I want to listen to his vice videos. But then there's days where I can't listen to his mm. vice. I can't listen to... It's too upsetting. Mm. So she's blaring his music throughout the house and saying, this is daddy's song. And they're singing and dancing. And it's taken everything I have to smile and dance with them when all I want to do was just break down and cry like and I really have to hold it together isn't that kind of weird with songs like I'll remember the song from my wedding to Arthur yeah and I'll be smiling and then I'll remember a song from mom and it'll make me so upset yeah um it was the Ed Sheeran song supermarket flowers and um Arthur made a video um of mom and I can't look at the video. I can't listen to that song. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah. And it's only, I think I've watched that video twice in two years because it triggers. Yeah, it does. It triggers everything. Even talking about it now, it still it's gets upset, me yeah. because it, it triggers the fact that she's she's no longer here and it's the realization that I'm never going to see her again. And sometimes I still struggle with that every day. Um. I can't imagine um, having to then, or having lost a husband. How do you, every day, what do you do? Like, because I'm, I'm baffled, because I know from losing a mom, what that grief is like, but losing your soulmate. Yeah. How would you, can you describe that? Uh, there's no words. Like right. there's literally, I've often tried to to speak and to, to put across how I'm feeling and what it's like, but nothing does it justice. Mm. It's kind of like my everyday life is just turned upside down and it will never be the same again, you know, because he was always there when I go to bed at night, you know, he's not there with the kids and I think they're missing out on so much and it's so upsetting Mm. for me, for them, you know, it's just, I try and get through the day as best I can and it's so difficult. Like it really, I just, I can't explain it. Cause like that, I keep t- telling myself, just get through this day, just get through this day. And then a voice in my head is like, get through many days as you want, but mm. you're never going to see him again, you know? No. And that's what I keep kind of, it's like, I'm being so cruel to myself. And it's like, yeah, I guess through this day, but you know, you're never going to see him again. You're never going to hear him laugh again or, you know, so it's very, very difficult. But for me, I also worried about my sisters. I didn't have, we don't currently have any children. So then I can't imagine what that's like almost putting your whole grief process on pause and how you're feeling to kind of take care of your three children. Or maybe, I would just say that's a good distraction. I think maybe, it is. But maybe a distraction is the, yeah. well, it's a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But maybe that is a, a good way of you yeah. dealing with it in the correct, if there's a correct proper way yeah. to do it. It's kind of Because you like, have other people to worry about. Exactly. And I have to get up. I can't stay in bed all day and cry because I need to get up to the kids and I need to, to carry on for them. And I think that's what keeps me going is the kids. No, totally. The one thing 
I, through the whole process of losing mom, uh, losing mom, excuse me, that I felt completely uncomfortable with was the funeral. Yeah. And I described it as a show. Yeah. Um, and then having stepped back two years later and done the podcast, I realized all the stuff that irritated me at the time is actually the most amazing best stuff that happened. People's kindness. Yeah. People's well wishes, people dropping food, people oh, sending us cards, flowers. Yeah. At the time, I was so irritated with anyone that would grab me or, you know, give me condolences. I, was, I think it's because I was so angry. Yeah. And now we sit back and we go, wow, wasn't that funeral amazing? Yeah. I want those flowers amazing. Do you remember that chicken pie the neighbor yeah, dropped in? Yeah. You know See, I way? didn't have that. Yeah, of course. So I didn't have all the, the neighbors in and the, I didn't, I missed all of that. All of that. So yeah. how... Talk us through the whole kind of funeral process for you. So we didn't even actually have to go to pick out coffins or anything because Daniel was so tall that they said, look, we only have one coffin to, to do. How so tall is Daniel? It's six foot four. Oh, so, well done, Rachel. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I, I didn't have to go and do that. And I was actually quite happy because the thought of going and picking the coffin was something that I really didn't want to have to do. Yeah. And so when they said, look, there's only one coffin, I was like, that's perfect. And we we could only have 10 people at the funeral. And so just explain this is because during COVID-19, oh, during COVID-19 the whole yeah. world is still yeah. changing. Yeah. So we had Daniel. That almost work. adds another dimension of stress. Strange. And Andrews. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because had you planned it a certain way in your mind? I wanted a massive funeral I right. just wanted if, to me it was kind of like this is his last hoorah this is his last send off this mm. is going to be I'm going to have a big party and I'm going to have all he loved like you know Irish songs and rebel music and uh, Christy Martin I said I'm going to have just a big sesh after that's what I wanted all his friends it's the good there. Irish thing that's exactly we it. know how to throw a party yeah. in a wake and that's what I wanted and we literally got the total opposite of that now don't get me wrong it was lovely the, the wake itself so we had him at home for two days I didn't have anyone in bar my immediate family and a, a few close friends. I would recommend anybody to do that and have an open funeral, but the wake to be private. And I'll tell you why, because I didn't leave Daniel's side for the two days that he was in the house. He came in in the coffin and I pulled up a kitchen stool and I sat with him until we left two days later. I did not leave his side. The kids came in. I slept down in the sitting room beside the coffin and I cherish that that now. I talked to him, I wrote the eulogy and I said, and I read it to him and I wrote letters and put them in the coffin and Leah slept with me in the sitting room. And I that's so lovely. I didn't, I know people and their well wishes and they want to give you their condolences, but I really feel like I, I needed that time with Daniel. And I will do again when all this is over. I will have a big funeral right. again. We are going to do it again. And that's when I'll have a big hoorah. Isn't it so funny because of COVID-19 that maybe you may not have got those two days yeah. with him I wouldn't have and writing the eulogy and you know Leah sleeping with you yeah. it would have been so different it would have been yeah but it's amazing how it worked out then for the better really that you got those amazing two days and those moments and yeah. stuff that you'll cherish yeah forever. I was so afraid of the funeral I remember crying so much after speaking to the priest and he said no look you can only have 10 people and I was saying that that's so unfair to Daniel and whatever I was saying to my Were family you angry? I was I was angry yeah. I just because I this wasn't the way it was supposed to be he was only 29 and his friends wanted to be there and family and you know he, I just wanted it was what was the last thing I could do for him and I wanted to do it big and I couldn't do that but when we were walking down to to the church behind the hearse all of the neighbors were out there was Liverpool flags everywhere. We oh. all wore our Liverpool jerseys. Um, people in the area and all his friends, they did a guard of honour. So even though they weren't allowed into the church, they were all outside and they were all up and down the roads and it was absolutely lovely. It really was. How many people attended the funeral in the end? 11. 11. And uh, like all the other people, I have no idea. But 11, they let 11 in. That was my immediate family and Daniel's immediate. Everybody did Daniel pass at home? He did pass at home. We oh, came right. home. We, he okay. passed in the sitting room. Did he want to pass at home? He did. He wanted to pass at home, yeah. Yeah. So we put him into the, the sitting room and that's where he spent his final couple of days. Your last kind of moments with him, hours with him, do you remember, was he able to talk to you? He was in and out of consciousness. He was on morphine pump and right. he was kind of in and out. He'd wake and then he'd sleep, but he could always hear us because we'd be talking and then he might, you know, say something that we were right. talking about and then he'd go. Oh, so he's always listening. He's always listening. Oh, <laughs> yes. Listening, listening, listening. listening. He'd be like, will you shut up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he was sick of listening to us. So um, his, I said to his mom, dad, I said, do you want to stay here tonight? 
and they said yeah that's fine so we were all staying there and we were just talking and he was shouting out a lot of things which he would always do on the morphine you know he was hallucinating and he right. would say Leah Holly Han and he'd be shouting for them and calling them over and talking to them and laughing and whatever and um his mom made us a cup of tea and we had a cup of tea and his breathing was very raspy and then he'd kind of take in a big breath and then there'd be nothing and you'd be looking at him and then he'd go right. and it, it, it was very like oh my god is this the moment so yeah um, we finished our tea and we said, right, we better go back to sleep. And Daniel was like, Rachel, he's like, come here. Mm. So I went over to him and I, I was sitting beside his bed, but I got up and down to him and I was like, are you okay? And he was like, will we go again? And he always used to say that about going again for another baby. All right, number so four. he was like, will we go again? And he laughed and I laughed and I said, well, go again, would you stop? So um, he went back to sleep and I sat down beside him and his breathing changed again. He took in a breath. Mm. And he didn't let one out. And I said to his mom, go and get the nurse quickly. And she was in the kitchen. So she ran out and got the nurse. And I jumped up and I was cradling him in my arms. And the nurse came back in and he exhaled. Mm. And she said, it's going to happen now. Right. So um, I was holding him in. I had his head in my arms. Mm-hmm. And I was, I didn't cry. And I tell the story. And I don't know how I didn't cry. So he, he took a couple of breaths. And I was just telling him, I love you so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take care of the kids. And don't worry. And go to your nanny and you're going to be okay. And I promise I'll be fine. And I just kept repeating myself. And the nurse was rubbing me on the back. <laughs> and his mother and father at the end of the bed. And I just kept rubbing his face and telling him I love you so much. And then he took his last breath. And that was it. He passed. And it was so, it's so strange to say, but it was lovely. It was yeah. really peaceful. And my ma came down. Martina, Daniel's ma, went and woke my ma and told her. So she came down to me. And she said, Rachel into bed beside him if you want and I looked at the nurse and she was like it's okay so I climbed into bed and I just cradled them and then family were coming in and out and I had to tell the girls so I pulled myself together and the girls came in and I said daddy's after going to heaven now and they all gave him hugs and kisses and we got a last photograph of all of our hands together, together. and that was it and it was really lovely it really was um you were obviously trying to be brave in that moment when you said you didn't cry. Yeah. Was because you were trying to be brave or you were maybe in shock. I did Because this is the moment you've been dreading. This, yeah. And it's happening right now. And I thought, I used to always say, you know, Daniel say, you'll be fine. And then I'd say, how am I supposed to live without you? How am I supposed to say goodbye? Mm. And to talk, that kills me. And I, t- I thought, I'm not going to be able to hold it together. And I don't know what came over me. I didn't want him to be afraid. Mm. So I wanted to be brave to tell him, I'm going to be fine. You don't need to worry about me. You need to just worry about yourself. And it's okay. And I'll look after the kids. And I I don't, maybe it was his strength from him. I don't know. But I didn't cry until after he had passed. I think it totally was his strength. And yeah. I think it was totally him. In a sense, like maybe just taking care of you as he goes, as he leaves you. You yeah. know, and I also think what you said there was um, to the children, you didn't tell them their dad was dead you told them he'd gone to heaven. to heaven was that like a, a conscious decision not to use that word or was that just how it how it came out it's just how just how it came out just that he'd gone to heaven and it wasn't until when he came back in the coffin after they had you know dressed him and made him presentable that he came back and hannah said he's not gone to heaven he's he's there so i realized that hannah like, maybe thought he was going to disappear and she'd never see him again exactly okay. yeah they used to say as if you know he was gone to the shop they would say is daddy gone to heaven yet and hannah's I'd only like, three she's only three yeah. yeah so you know every morning she'd go is daddy gone to heaven yet and i'd be like no so um when um i said i'm not going to say he's gone to heaven until he goes into the ground and three girls was at the funeral so when he went into the grave and I said, now daddy's gone to heaven. The angels are going to come down and bring him up to heaven. So, because yeah. they couldn't understand, how has he gone to heaven when he's, he's I can they see him. They physically still see him. You know, yes. and they were saying, he's sleeping. Because he he genuinely only looked like he was sleeping. So, it wasn't until um, that he was he was buried that I said, now he's gone to heaven. And they couldn't see him anymore. So, then they were like, oh, okay. Did he know he was dying? Did he know yeah. that it was going to happen? So, I had asked the nurse that day. I said, is Daniel going to pass? And I think I kind of knew myself. Right. I kind of, I had a feeling. And she was like, no, no, it'll be a couple of days, you know. And because he was still like, he was still being able to go to the toilet by himself. He he was very conscious. He didn't want nurses in him. He wanted to keep he his dignity. He wanted his dignity. He did. Totally. And, and he a kept young it. man at 29 yeah. years of age. And he kept it. I, wow. I was with him and um, I would um, be with him when he was going to the toilet or washing him around. Like that was always me. He didn't want the nurses in. And he kept his dignity right to the end. So I kind of had a feeling. And he said to me that day, he said, 
am I going to die today? And I said, no. I said, um, you're not going to die today. And he said, when am I going to die? And I said, it'll be soon. And he just said, okay. And he went back to sleep. And then he passed. Did he ever mention to you that he kind of, or did he ask? I often wonder when people are passing over, did he know in his mind or did he think what, what it was going to be like? Did he have any worries or fears regarding it? He did. He used to say, where am I going? Yeah. And I'd say, I don't know. And then he'd say like, I don't know where I'm going to end up. And yeah. he said, that scares me. And that scared me because I couldn't, I couldn't tell him where he was because yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, that was really hard for me to, to deal with. And um, I said, I'm going to go to a fortune teller after the fact. And okay. he had said something to me that he would tell me if he was okay. Oh, wow. And the fortune teller rang me and she said, You are, well, he said, okay, yeah. hang on one second. So you went to a fortune teller. Yeah, she rang me. She up rang you she and she had told you something that Daniel had told you. Yeah. That only you two would no, know. Yeah. And that means he's where? Where's Nanny? Where's Nanny? Yeah. Wow. And like, she told me things that nobody knew. I'm getting her number. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, you really need to, like, I was, she, I was kind of saying, well, I'm on Instagram, so anything that I have kind of said, I will take with a pinch of salt. True, because when you, you've got a public profile, People could just Google you or see some stuff of course. and just say for the sake of saying it. I of agree course. with you. And like you said, I didn't want to feel like I was clutching at straws. Like, exactly. Like the feather, I'd be chopping my cushions and yeah. they're feather cushions and a feather be on the bed and I'd be like, oh, Daniel's like, here. Yeah, he's here. He's like my sister Eva. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, but she, she told me things no one knew. How did you get a good peace of mind from that? Did that just make you, did, how, how did that make you feel? Just, it really lifted my spirits. I... It was over an hour she was speaking to me and she knew things like, so say when I would ring Daniel, he'd be out with his friends and I would always say like, oh, I love you. But he would say, yeah, ditto, because he doesn't want to be like, oh, I love you, you know, when he's with his mates. friends. So he's six foot four. Yeah. <laughs> so I, when he say that to me, I would slag him. So it was kind of like a little joke we had between us at home where he would say ditto and I would laugh and slag him. And she said that to me and nobody knew it. Like my mom said, did you do that? Because it wasn't just like, it was like, oh, we'd say ditto, but mm. it was just a little sneery thing we had and nobody knew. And she said that to me. She's saying, um, I said, you know, tell him I love him and that. And then she said, he's saying ditto. And that just absolutely floored me because nobody knew. Mm. Nobody knew that we didn't tell anyone. We, 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 there was just a little joke between ourselves and just the things that she told me. And it gave me great comfort to know yeah. he's still watching me. He's still with me. He's, I can feel him sometimes. It sounds so weird. I sound like a nunchuck. But I can feel him with me sometimes. Like mm. I really can. So you think he's with you every day? I do, yeah. I do you really think he can do. still see you? I hope so. I think yeah. so. Because I, I, I was, I felt really uncomfortable. It's so funny how I say it now. It's like you laugh. But when, when this is happening, it was so traumatic for me. Like, I didn't want my mom to see me nude. It's so strange. So literally when my, when mom passed, I kept saying my mom, our mom passed. She was in our sitting room. We had her for four days, which is extraordinary. We were so blessed that we could because I came in a day late because I'm in America. And I remember being in the shower and turning to the corner of the shower and being like this. Wash myself really, really <laughs> quick because I didn't want mom to see to me. See you, yeah. And then even, you know, being married and being intimate with my husband, I was so conscious going, <laughs> oh no, is she here? I don't want mom to be here. It's so weird. Yeah, it and is, I, yeah. I don't know why now. Oh, now I, I'm not so mad. Yeah. I'm having a shower after. I was loving life. We good. Because I just, I don't know why, but it was just something that at the time I really struggled with. Yeah. Did you have any moments like that where you felt like, just totally freaked out. Not really, no. Um, well, Diane had obviously seen me naked, so mm -hmm. that was something I never had to worry about. Okay, Rachel, <laughs> it's not that type of podcast. We'll do that one after midnight. <laughs> we did <a> series three. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I can see something and I look. And you know the way you're like, you would think, oh, please don't come to me. Like, I would be so afraid. Mm. But sometimes when I think I see something at night in the bedroom on my own and I'm looking, I get... I smile to myself and I feel, right. and I'm like, is that you? Are you here? You know, if I'm watching Netflix in bed and um, that a series that we might have watched, I talk to him about the series and I, I'm like, are you watching it with me? And, you know, I just, I feel comforted knowing that he's. I was um, angry. So angry at mom. Are you ever angry at Daniel at all? No, I don't. I think it might be because it's still so, like it's only three and a half months since he passed. So maybe I have When you even think about that, the fact that you can sit here, I, I know you've, you've talked about it before, but to do it 
with you know you're incredibly brave to be able to do it but i suppose in a way you're doing it for him am I for right? him for him for me it helps it yeah. talking helps it really helps me i know people say you know would you not take a break from instagram and but coming on instagram it's helping me it's like a therapy you know yeah. i'm getting everything i need off my chest and sometimes you know if i'm holding something and i come on on instagram and i'm talking about it and then i let it all out when i'm finished i'm kind of like oh yeah. Like it's such a weight it's been lifted a relief it, definitely a relief yeah so I just think talking really helps me no I really do believe in talk I've always said talking therapy is like my little slogan yeah I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt yeah I think so I'm gonna be selling them outside here in 10 minutes because <laughs> um, I, I always think if you're feeling an emotion I always think you have to express it because yeah. I think if I find something funny I laugh yeah or if I'm angry at Arthur I'm like oh for God's sake Arthur yeah and then if I'm sad you have to get it out you do yeah I've not been for therapy. I didn't go to therapy. We were living in Los Angeles. It would have been the perfect place yeah. to go. Have you ever debated it? Would you go and speak to a therapist? Or yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Um, so we had been to um, therapy before that when Daniel was sick. Mm-hmm. So I had been going in and speaking to a therapist and I had the kids in play therapy, which I thought really helped and really helped them understand the sickness and stuff. Mm. And um, after the fact that Daniel had passed, the therapist had rang me and we had a couple of sessions over the phone. And they're opening up soon and soon they're back open. I'm going to go in. I'm going to bring the kids in and they're going to have one-on-one sessions because I think it might help them and it can hurt. So mm. I will try and get them all the help that, that I can to help them get through this. Like I suppose because they're like, your eldest, you're saying nine, five yeah. and three. Yeah. They're so young. So young. Yeah. You almost think, do you ever think that your youngest little girl, Hannah, who's three, she'll forget her dad? Yeah. And that was a big fear of Daniel's that yeah. they would forget him. And I said, we took so many videos. And I think that's when you have time. Like we had 18 months of making sure we had videos, photographs. You can cram so much in there. So much in. So many memories. And we did. And I think for Hannah to look back on these videos, because if she maybe she mightn't forget, or uh, maybe she might forget that we have the videos and they will remind her and we can keep it fresh in her in her mind. What about Holly, who's five? Would she remember her dad? I hope so. He, again, that was one of his fears that the two smallest wouldn't. Yeah. But like that, all the videos and I will, I won't let them forget. Yeah. I will always show the videos, the photographs, the stories. You know, we made scrapbooks, memory boxes. We did everything that we could um, for the girls that they wouldn't forget. Lee is nine, so she will remember. She will, yeah. When it came to the the funeral, did you have an idea what you wanted to put him in? Yeah, I knew, I knew. Right. Liverpool did he, jersey. Did, did, did you that pick it with him? Did you do it Well, yourself? I knew. He had two requests for his funeral. It was He wanted... Exactly two requests. I yeah, he's like, two requests. Yeah. Put him in <laughs> so he wanted Grace play it. And he wanted to be buried in his Liverpool jersey. And he said, after that, do what you want. Wow. So... Are you religious? No. Like, Daniel... We're not religious at all. But when Daniel got sick, he would pray at mm. nighttime with his rosary beads and you know um older generation would give him medals and all yeah. that stuff and he would pray with them every right. night um but we never went to church and we weren't like only really communions and weddings and yeah, like, shocking with all of us, yeah yeah so no we weren't religious at all yeah because I, I wonder at that time during those 18 months did you want to reach out to god or did you think to yourself did you pray did you do any sort of kind of anything like that? I would pray with Daniel when Daniel prayed. So I would rub holy water on Daniel from, so all the where he, areas that he had cancer was from his neck basically down to his, his torso, like just the whole lot. So I would rub holy water in the front of him and the back of him while he prayed. And yeah. then when he prayed, I would say a little prayer. And then we did that every night until like the last couple of months, he kind of stopped praying. And right. I said, why aren't you praying tonight? And he was just like, ah, just no point really is there and I kind of left him because I kind of he was kind of hoping mm. you know something might happen or maybe a miracle and then when he kind of felt like oh no one's helping and it's not going to work he kind of stopped praying the last the last um, you're saying how positive yeah he always was did he did he ever get angry and ever get why me why us yeah he would he would say you know I can't understand um why this happened and was it me? Was it my diet? Because he wasn't the healthiest person. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, we loved our takeaways and we loved our movie nights with loads of munchies. And I was saying, well, everyone does. Yeah. And he know. blamed that. He, he used he? to say, that's my fault. And, you know, um, I'd be working and I'd go in and I'd get a roll and a pack of bars and I'd eat four of them. And he, he totally thought it was him and I had to tell him to stop because it's not right. But then he would say, if any of the five of us had to get sick, I'm so glad it was me and not you and the girls. 
like the girls need their mammy and he said I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to live without you so I'm glad it was me mm. so I think then he was so grateful that it was him and not me or the chick could imagine like if it was one of the kids like oh we, I mean yeah I mean that's all so we counted our, our blessings and we were grateful that it wasn't the children and that it was it was one of us and him but it's it's so funny that you you have to think like that you know so brave of him to say if anyone from our little team was gonna go I wanted it to be me yeah you know like how amazing for a husband and for a father he was clearly incredible he was yeah you and know. I didn't realise how much he did until he passed because I used to always say, you do nothing and I do everything in this house and blah. And then he, he was gone. I was like, oh my God, he did so much. He was so handsome. <laughs> he done everything. Yeah, what am I going to do? Where do you, Rachel, his wife, think he is? I think he's with me. Right. You know, I really, I really genuinely think that he's with me. Like wherever I am, he's, I think he's there. And sometimes I can feel him with me when I'm at the grave. I can feel him when I'm in home at bed. I can feel him. Like, so yeah. I genuinely think he's with me. How are his family coping? I mean, they're up and down. Like, um, it was only him and his brother. So his mother and father, they, they struggle. Um, yeah. But they're getting through as best they can, taking it day by day. They're back to work. I think routine and getting back to normal as such. Um, that's what they're clinging on to. And they obviously... My children and Daniel's children, they're their only grandchildren. Right. So they really keep them, keep them going. Bet yeah. those girls are spoiled. Oh, spoiled rotten. <laughs> I almost think, you know, the one thing that I resisted was this big, amazing, positive blessing of a funeral. But at the time I resisted it. Now looking back on everything that has happened to this, the whole world, that was an amazing thing for us. Yeah. And that helped with our grief. And that yeah. helped us process that. You're not having that. No outlet of that support and that love you're 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 not feeling it yeah and for his brother and for all of you how do you deal with that it's quite hard and even well so you're so busy like daniel is so sick and you're in hospital and you're you're going to appointments and i'm with him and i'm doing everything for him and then nothing like you know what i mean you come home and you you're doing nothing and your mm. friends are out and can't come over because mm. of the everything that's going on and it's just so lonely and i don't have the busy the busyness of everyone around me, it was just literally, you come home, you're on your own. This is this is your life, you're on your own with the kids and that's it. And it's so tough. Do you feel lonely? Very lonely, yeah. The loneliness kills me because it doesn't matter if I have my ma with me or whoever. I have like an emptiness mm. and I'm in bed at night on my own. And it was a super king-size bed. I didn't want to buy it and he wanted to buy it. Daniel's like, no, we're getting it. And I'm thinking I'm sitting in this big, huge bed by myself. It's the loneliest looking thing I've ever seen. Even if you, you know, being there with him, you could roll over, you probably wouldn't. I wouldn't him even touch so him, big. yeah. Yeah. And I really didn't want it and he insisted and now I'm like, I look at the bed and I'm like, you wanted this bed and look at me on my own and I'm giving out to his picture. But, and, you, but I think that's, I think that's a good thing to do. Because yeah. when you tell me that story now, you smile and your face lights up. Yeah. Because you're remembering him. Yeah. It was something you had said recently. I think you'd done a, a magazine interview and you'd said, he's all I know. So to think of a life without him in it is absolutely devastating. It breaks my heart. You know what I mean? I know him since I'm 12. He's, I've spent nearly every single day with him since then. So he is all I know. I don't know anything else. And then. He's, he's your everything. Taken. Yeah. And then what do you do? I don't know. For people that will listen to this podcast and the thing that I don't want to say surprised me was how it did affect people and help people. Again, talking about a subject that people don't talk about. Yeah. How how would you describe your grief? And it's only been three and a half months. It's still so raw for you. But what have you been doing over those three and a half months for anyone that's listening to this that is in the exact same position as you? What could you say to them? Okay. Um, I think just keep going as hard as it is. Um, just take it one day at a time. Literally just keep going. Um, I feel like people are so afraid to let other people see them laugh. And to you need to go through the motions. Don't be afraid. Like, I can't do that because people are looking. Like, laugh, cry. Don't be afraid. I feel like since Daniel passed, I have got a little bit tougher. I feel like I'm stronger because I feel like I don't, I'm not as a pushover as I once was. I kind of feel like life's too short. You know, yes. I, do you feel no, like that? No, I, I do. I, I feel like um, I've changed as a person. Yeah. Some people think it's great. Other people think it's not good yeah. because I've changed. But I, I'm a, I have always been 
um, a big people pleaser. Yeah, I'm like that. Yeah, so I was always the last on the list. But I think surprised a lot of people. I think people just presume that I'm kind of spoiled, but you know, not really. I'm one of seven. So I've got six sisters. I'm the eldest that I put before me. And then there's the children. Then there's yeah. my husband and my family. Um, now I just know when it comes to yes or no, I can make the decision. No. Or yeah. yes. No yeah. kind of bullshit. Exactly. In yeah. between. Because life is so short. So short. And I think that's what, that's what I've, I've, taken from this the most is kind of like I'm not going to bother anymore like I'm literally life is too short and that's kind of like matter of fact like that's it what helps you get through the days Daniel's letter I literally I don't know what I do I always kind of say if someone passes the way your mom very sadly did Mm. that I would want that but then also we had time to do the letters like Daniel had time to do the letters we had time to take the video so there's that um, and that really helps me through the day. Like I read the letters because I struggled a bit with guilt and I had expressed that to Daniel and he would get so angry at me for saying that. And I would say, why didn't we bring it to the hospital sooner? Like, why didn't I just say, no, get into the car. We're going to A&E and get it sorted. And I really struggled. I blame myself. I was like, you're so sick because of me. Like, So you feel guilty. Why? Well, I feel guilty because of one, one incident kind of sticks out in my head. So... He woke up and his pain wasn't that bad, you know, when they thought it was a gum infection. He woke up anyway and it was like three o'clock in the morning and he was like, I'm in so much pain. We need to go to the hospital. So I set up and I said, OK, we had moved in with his parents because we had sold our house to mm. build. And so we were, I said, right, your man dad's in bed. The kids are asleep. Let's go. It's three o'clock in the morning. Let's go. And we'll be back probably before they have to go to work. Mm. And I got out of the bed and he said, oh, no, hang on, it's even. So he got back into bed. He said, no, no, it's OK. And then Daniel wasn't diagnosed till a couple of months later. Okay. And I keep saying, why did you get back into the bed? Why yeah. didn't you say, get up now, we're going. Mm. Bring him in. And he, he, he might have been, you know, I said this to the doctor because I really struggled. I blamed myself. I was mm. crying the whole time saying like, this is because of you. And she said, Rachel, if we hadn't been found then, it was too late. Because by the time a young man like Daniel gets diagnosed, his metabolism is so quick that the cancer is spreading all over his body. Mm. Before he shows a symptom. So it, right. when he shows a symptom, it's too late. Yeah. It was stage four then. And I still think she's only saying that to make me feel better. Right. Oh, and I, you, even still in your mind, you were felt so guilty. I felt so guilty. They're just saying it to make me feel better. Exactly. That's what I thought. Do you believe it now though? Well, his letter, he would always tell me how angry he would be if if I still blame myself. So he talks about the guilt in the letter. Mm. And now I know I don't want to upset him. And he would get really, really angry. We'd be in the hospital and I'd mention it again and get upset. And he'd be like, stop blaming yourself. It's not your fault. It's no one's fault. It's just one of those things. Mm. And so now I kind of like, it's not my fault. But I just feel like I wanted someone to blame. I know, because you were angry. I was angry and I wanted to blame somebody. I'm in so much pain. I didn't realize that you could feel physical pain like this from just losing somebody or not being actually hurt. But the pain I have in my chest and I'm waiting, when is that going to ease? And when is it? going to get better so I, I'm it's still so raw and I'm still I just can't wait to not feel the pain or the void anymore but I, I I think from myself and again two years I think it's something that you actually it, it never leaves you you just have to you, learn to live you with. just know how to to live with it it's like I think you you live your life very very differently yeah my sister's joke was the morning <laughs> it happened again you have to laugh at these situations my sister Tara tried to resuscitate um, Tasha, it's Harvey's mom, um, actually her fiance John, they got engaged, we're very excited. They were all like, you know, my sisters were in the room and everyone was wailing. They were like, we can't really, Brian's not here. I said, what did you say? <laughs> I just with the drama, he's just the I was like, what? <laughs> and they were like, oh no, can you really imagine him in the room, the ambulance going, is that Brian? And you go, and just the, the screaming and the drama. And I was like, girls, I could have kept my shit together. No, you And then I said to Arthur, I would have been howling, screaming. I've never said it before. I think they may have been right. They were definitely I right. Think. I heard you saying that, you know, you were sitting at the funeral and you were saying, ma'am's moving. Like, I'm like, oh, oh my God. No word of a lie. I honestly thought she was moving. And then I started to get really hot. Yeah. And I said to my sister, I just got to off my top. And my sister's like, the, it's, it's February. He wants to take his job <laughs> off. I was swaying back and forth. I didn't. I hadn't eaten in like yeah. four days. I was clearly exhausted and just in shock. And it was me that was was swaying back and forth. My uh, was my friend Simon had to feed me chicken curry. Oh God, because I was delirious. Yeah. 
So I think your mom was probably like, you know what? Brian, we 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 good. We good. You are. <laughs> you think I'm I have the girls. You're okay. Literally, <laughs> yeah. but I suppose in a sense of you know, from being from a big family, it was great that they were able to step up when I couldn't. Yeah. And when they couldn't step up, I would you do something. There. Yeah. Because you've got you know seven children with seven completely different personalities, of course, likes and dislikes, and the one thing that united us was the love of our mother. Yeah. You know, we still talk about her of course we still love her and I've always said that I believe until the last one of us takes our breath she's with all of us exactly yeah you know she will live through you 100% you are so young you're 29 yeah was that a conversation you had with him about what happens afterwards yeah moving on new relationships what was that like oh it was horrible he always brought up and I just didn't want to know. I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to talk of losing him and it, like thinking of a life that, like I said, he's all I know. But he kept wanting to talk about it and he would just say, look, I want you to be happy and I want you to move on and I want you to like live your life with someone you're so young and say, oh, you're so beautiful and this that, and the other. And like he really wanted that. And I just, I know I have his blessing. And again, he put it in the letter because I would literally say, I don't want to talk about this. And he put it in the letter again. But he really wanted it. And like I said on the Ray Darcy show, he was incredible because if it was the other way around, I was like, I want you to be miserable for the rest of your Same life. I don't want you to laugh. Totally. <laughs> like, I'm like, I am I'm putting life. down the letter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> writing a letter tonight. <laughs> Rachel, thank you. I'm going to write a letter. But you're right. You're not seeing yeah, anyone. Exactly. You're not kissing anyone. Yeah. You're certainly not having sleepovers. <laughs> but I actually had people message me. So there was a lady who is um, going through stage four cancer and she messaged me to say, I'm looking at you and I struggled so much thinking that my husband is going to move on eventually and she's only a young lady herself. And um, she said, "You, I want him to be happy again and I want him to find love. Mm-hmm. And again, I thought, it's so big of you because I, I'm like, no. No, <laughs> no I don't it, want that. Isn't it so funny though? Do you, do you wonder why you resisted the conversation? I just couldn't. It used to upset Daniel because he said, he would get upset talking about it and he would say, I love you. You're my wife. So when I talk about you with somebody else, it feels like it's not right. Like you're, it's because you're, I'm still married to you. Yeah. But he said, I'm not going to be here and I want you to be happy and I want you to move on. And I couldn't, I couldn't think about it. I, couldn't, I think it's uh, because you were so involved with him and, this, and you never want to be without him. He's your soulmate. Yeah. But I think he wanted to have the conversation because he, he wanted to let you know it was okay. Yeah. And he wants you to be happy. Yeah. Where are you now? I don't even think about it because right. I still think of Daniel as my husband. husband. I still I still speak of him in the present tense. Yeah. Like down the line, I don't know. Like yeah. I'm not, like I'm going to set up now the Tinder now and I go home or whatever. Like I don't know, like whatever happens, happens. I know that I can't, even if I try and picture myself, I can't. can't. I, do you know what I mean? No. He's, all, he's all I know. I know that um, his parents have said things to me and his father has said, you know, we are behind you 100% and we are Amazing with you. Amazing to have And that blessing. is so, no, so totally. Lovely. Yeah, and I don't know whether I kind of looked at him because he was like, no, I know, like, you know, we're no, not, you're not near that and you're not thinking about that, but I just want you to know that we are behind you 100% and we love you and, you know. Would you be worried about public perception of that and what people would think if years down the line that happens and you, you're in a relationship and you're happy? Do you think you'd worry about what people would think of you? Absolutely, because I so worry about what people think of me even now, you know. I might put up a story and I'm like, am I laughing too much in that? Because people are going to think I'm not grieving or am I crying too much in that? As people, you know, so I constantly worry about people's perception. And then obviously, um, if someone eventually moves on, it's kind of like, it's too soon or she shouldn't be moving on or anything that, that could be said. I worry about what everybody thinks. I shouldn't. I care too much what people think, I think. And I... When I was thrown into Instagram, I genuinely didn't think it was going to go as big as it did. I literally mm. thought a few people follow me, which I was making my friends and family. And I thought that would be it. So now I kind of worry what everyone thinks. And I shouldn't, but I do. I, do. I genuinely worry about what people say about me or think about me. Or I think everyone's going to have an opinion. Yeah. I think on all of us, everyone yeah. in this room, people have opinions on them. I think what I've learned is that you just have to care about people's opinions that you value. Yeah. And people that mean something to you. Yeah. What have you learned about life in the last 18 months, in the last two how, years, since your holiday to Portugal when all that happened? What have you learned about life? How precious it is. How you take it for granted. You take everything for granted. Like 
how I took Daniel for granted. Mm. The little, the little things that that get you so much. Like I, my friends were supposed to get married the weekend, and I had to go. And um, they had have, had to obviously cancel it with everything that's going on. So they had like a little garden party for the bridal party, and I went, but I had to go on my own. And normally we'd be getting ready in such a rush, and I'd be saying to Daniel, you know, go and get bring the kids to your man. He'd be like, will you iron my top? And I'd be saying, oh God's sake, we only have so much, and I have to go. And I missed that. I'm, mm. I missed that, and I missed. I was driving there, and I was like crying on my way there and I was thinking you should be sitting here with me and you walk in by yourself and you sit by yourself and people are trying to you know be with you but you're alone and it's it's just because you don't have your buddy with you I don't yeah, you're do you know plus what I mean? one exactly. your soulmate yeah. yeah so I just think it's so short and pe- take it, you, people take it for granted but you really need to to realise how lucky you are and even me now I, I class myself as being extremely lucky that I have my kids and they're healthy even though I'm after being dealt such a cruel with Daniel being taken away from me, but I feel like I'm so lucky because the kids, you have to be grateful because mm. you look at stories about other kids and I know. you really have to count your blessings. What would you like people to remember about Daniel? Just the laugh. He was just so funny. And oh, I always say I talk about him and I love talking about him, but I feel like I don't want people to think we had this perfect relationship and stuff because we didn't and we rowed. And it's one of the... The main things I miss about him is our little niggly. The arguments. Because he was so smart and he was so sneery. And I just I just miss that. You know, when I say something, I, I can nearly hear his response in my head. And it makes me smile. And I just I just miss. I just miss that. Thank you so much for sitting Thanks down for with having me. me. No, Thank not you. at all. Sitting down with my first episode yeah. of the second series. I think a lot of people uh, will get a lot from this episode. The fact that you're only three and a half months into your grief... And I think the fact you're able to talk about him so well, I think you're incredibly brave. I think just like Daniel. And I think you're doing this for him. You're doing it for the girls. And I think that gives you that kind of oomph to go, come on. And it's nice to meet your mom. She stayed, is this the longest she's never spoken? Yes, I think it is. She was smiling when you said that. I often say on this podcast that grief isn't a step-by-step process. There are no set stages. There is no point in time when the grief suddenly stops. Rachel is living with loss every single day, but finds strength, hope, and joy in being a mom and watching her family grow. I commend her hugely for that and thank her so much for her honesty today. Next week, I sit down with my very good friend, televisions and pantos, Alan Hughes. Oh no, you're not. Yeah, I am. Alan talks for the very first time about the major losses of his life, the passing of his parents when he was a child and siblings later in life. It happened to me quite young because both my parents died within six months of each other. You were 10? I was 10, yes. And very differently because I was the only one and my mom died in my arms. And so I was the only one in the house when that happened. And I think when you're 10, you don't even realize that that's after happening. You're, you're a baby. Yeah, you know, I was, I like, I, as far as I knew, she'd gone to sleep and then a neighbor came in and asked me to leave the room. And then I was sort of going, what's going on, what's going on? And then you had a sense that you knew what was going on. But then I remember getting very defensive when other people start coming to the house and I wouldn't let them in.